Can we create patient-friendly medical garments and products that provide both clinician access and essential dignity for patients? Let's talk all about it with Chaitanya Razdan, founder and CEO of Care and Wear, a healthware company changing the way the world looks at and feels about healthcare, right here on episode 353 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And here's a special request that those of you who've been listening for a while have probably heard a number of times. Creating, gosh, I'm heading towards 400 episodes of this podcast, and that incurs a lot of costs. And I'm asking 100 regular listeners to pledge as little as $2 a month for a year. That's less than buying me a cup of coffee every month to support the show. And you can join Edward from the Bay Area, Marie from Tennessee, and Jocelyn from New York. You can always pledge more, but $2 would be great. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. That's patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And I thank you for your support for the show. And remember, you can also support the show by referring yourself and others to Nurse Keith Coaching for expert holistic career coaching. I work with nurses and healthcare providers from around the world. If you mention care and wear or chat or this podcast episode, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 353. And we are here today with new friend of the pod and my new friend, Chaitanya Chat Razdan. And we're going to go with Chat for the um, remainder of the show because your first name is challenging to say. I think I didn't butcher it too bad, right, Chat? You did well. You did a great job. Gosh, you say that to all your podcast hosts. Okay. <laughs> so you are not a healthcare provider, but you're someone who's working in the healthcare space, which is really fascinating. And the first question I want to ask you is why did you decide to create medical garments specifically and some products that really provide that essential patient dignity and clinician access to the patient's body for various uh, purposes of delivery of patient care? Why did you do it? Yeah, um, thanks, uh, Nurse Keith, uh, for the question, and thanks for having me. So excited, my pleasure, uh, to share more on our story. Um, but I mean, the why for Karen Ware honestly is the easiest answer, and it's because I felt like I had to. I had loved ones diagnosed with cancer, getting treatment through their arms through what's called a pick line, and had been told by really helpful nurses that like to think outside of the box that they should put a tube sock on their arms to keep the pick line in place. And so I saw a bunch of nurses, a bunch of patients wearing socks on their arms and thought, wow, this stinks. There's got to be something better. And so started working with nurses and doctors from Johns Hopkins and UVA to try and redesign the tube sock and kind of while I was doing that, took a step back and realized whenever you go to the hospital, 
everything's always been focused on function and not on how it looks or how it makes you feel. And, and so I really wanted to do something to help my loved ones. And so I wanted to build a brand in the healthcare space, really focused on helping you feel like a human again. Okay. And as clinicians, we nurses know that, you know, the hospital gown where it does provide access for us because the patient is barely wearing anything and they're their backside is generally exposed and we can get into the side of the gown and the arm, but the patient feels terrible, right? So dignity is a big piece here, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And um, when you think about dignity and compassion, you're talking about a lot of the core traits and values for our company where we, again, going back to the My goal is to allow you to live your life. Technology has evolved to the point where you can truly, even, you know, my loved ones who cancer treatments weren't sitting in a hospital for the entire three months, but rather they were able to go to work. They were able to go to dinner, go to the movies. Uh, And I guess we're talking about a pre-COVID world where um, you weren't quarantining at home, but just able to be humans again. But then the garments that they're given are kind of a reminder that, hey, something's sick, you're sick or something's wrong with you or you're not at your best. And why not create an atmosphere where you can feel like you are at your best and you can feel like you're a human? And so for our patient gown, one of the biggest changes we made was so that your backside's not exposed in the hospital. Um, small change and small goals in life, right? But mm-hmm. um, making it so that you clinically, as a clinician, could still access the patient wherever and however you needed. But from the patient's standpoint, they could feel a little better. They could actually feel like they're wearing a bathrobe in the hospital rather than having to wear a gown that they're already ashamed that they're exposing themselves to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. And many of us have probably had the experience either as nurses working or visiting our loved ones, or if we're not nurses and we've been at the hospital visiting someone or we're the patient ourselves, you know, exercising while you're hospitalized, walking down the hallway with your, your, um, your IV pole next to you, which mm-hmm. I have done several times, I can attest. And you're wearing a hospital gown. And you know that your butt is probably exposed. And there's also cold air coming through the back of the gown. Or or maybe your loved ones brought you something you could put on. But yeah, dignity is a big piece of it. And also access for the clinician. And I think as a nurse myself, I can think that with a patient wearing something that they feel better in, that gives them dignity, but also provides me the access to their pick line, their port, whatever, their colostomy, that um, it could actually enhance our relationship because I don't feel like I'm I'm infringing on their rights and I have to keep apologizing and apologizing, right? So it could actually right. affect the patient-clinician uh, rapport, I guess I would say. Yeah, the goal is to truly enable you as a clinician to have that care component rather than, I know there's a hospital here in New York, for example, that every new employee is asked to wear a patient gown for a day. And the director of patient experience told me the reason he does that 
is because he wants you to understand why the patient is upset with you upon first meeting you. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to understand what they're going through. And so if you can eliminate that and create a potentially warmer relationship between the clinician and the patient and enable you to focus on, okay, why am I here? What, how can I help you rather than, hey, my backside is being exposed. Can you please help me cover this up? It just allows you to focus on the core issues. And in the longer run, it should hopefully enable you um, to actually have more time with the patient, right? And less time focused on making them feel comfortable and supportive and more time focused on helping them through whatever uh, their need is. Right, because they already feel comfortable, so you don't have to address it as as assiduously, right? And we're going to get to the products in due course, but I want to just change gears for a second, that Mm -hmm. you're a former investment banker, right? And how long did you do that? How long were you in investment banking? Yeah, so I was a strategy consultant for four years, and I was an investment banker for two years, uh, and I guess a summer for both as well. Wow, okay. And so this is a pretty radical change for you to go into the healthcare space as a Mm non-clinician coming from investment banking. And I know you're really successful and you all have created millions of products now and you're partnering with all sorts of interesting entities, which we'll talk about. What What's the process been like for you to leave that world, which I'm sure some of your colleagues probably looked at you askance, like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> you're creating hospital gowns. Um, and I'm sure there was quite a journey for you just making that a major career shift. So this is a career podcast by and large. So mm-hmm. what is it like making that huge pivot in your career? Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> it's doing what you right? And I think it's, I grew up in a household where my parents always kind of pushed my sister and I to follow our passion and to make sure kind of like the Gandhi saying of be the change that you wish to see in the world, really focusing ourselves on doing whatever we could to help those around us. And as children, we were volunteering all the time. We were getting involved in the community. And it's something that we both grew up to really appreciate and kind of yearn for even. And by being able to create a company like Karen Ware, um, it's allowed me to give back. I honestly, growing up, thought I was going to be a doctor um, and then saw a colonoscopy as part of a paper I was writing in 11th grade. Um, and it's probably, you know, that's a story for another day as to why as an 11th grader, I was writing a paper on colonoscopies, but um, okay. went there and when the nurses were surrounding me rather than the patient, I kind of realized that that was probably not the right career for me. I see. Um, but Healthcare is something that has always been near and dear to my heart, whether it's as the child of an anesthesiologist, always chasing my mother around the hospital, um, getting to know all the amazing nurses that she worked with and that helped her kind of provide the best care possible to all their patients. It's also being a patient a number of times. I um, had a lot of ear infections growing up, so I had tubes in my ears three times. Mm. Um, I actually, um, broke my 
frequently. So spent a lot of time in the cast and really got to pleasantly or unpleasantly experience the fact that you would have to wrap your arm in a trash bag when you were going to shower um, or sometimes bath, I guess, because the shower could get it wet. Um, have always seen a lot of these problems. And then just seeing as my grandparents and parents got older and how they were um, in the hospital, just trying to create a more positive outlook for everyone around me and all of my loved ones. And um, I think the biggest lesson to get back to your question is if you find something that you're passionate about, you don't really think about the hours. You don't really think about what you're getting paid or in many of startups case, not paid. All you think about is what's the impact that you're having and how can you do more? And you get to experience firsthand um, being able to do that. And um, we, for example, have NICU onesies for babies that are born starting as small as a three pound baby. That's right. um, and um, recently one of my friends just had a son in the NICU and we were able to send um, a onesie to him. And it's just, it's so rewarding when you get to help those that are around you and help, um, help people that you love um, have a better experience. And that's what has driven me each and every day. That's wonderful. And that onesie part of the mission of it is comfort. And it's also about access. And we know in the NICU, there's a lot of tubes and a lot of access. And I've seen pictures of them on your website. And you and I met because you were on the podcast of my friend, Paul Zelizer. It's called the Awarepreneurs Podcast, and it's about social impact businesses. So that's why you and I connected. I heard your interview on his podcast. and I was like, I've got to get you over here. So this, this notion of social impact and really helping people, I understand from your interview with Paul that you all have part of your mission is you give 10% of your profits away. Not 1%, like a lot of organizations who kind of pay lip service, but 10%. That's a lot. That's 10 cents on every dollar of your profits. And you give it back in the form of product donations or cash. So tell us a little bit about your mission when it comes to social impact, because I think that's a huge part of why you do what you do, obviously. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's um, to your point of, you know, 10% is a big number, right? And when I started Karenware, I knew that I wanted it. I wanted our company, I wanted our team to be involved in the community. And for me, that was dollars, that was time. Community service is super important to us. Getting involved in the community um, is really important. And it was building that community. I think I had seen firsthand when I was trying to help my loved ones that there's not a lot of people know what you're going through. And I was just as guilty of this as others where I had people that I knew wearing pick line while well, having pick lines and being told to wear a sock, but I didn't know why they had a pick line. I didn't know what a pick line was. Um, and um, it was trying to help educate people and trying to help you understand what your loved ones are doing. And for me, it was, okay, pick lines is the pick, Picks are really important. Over 6 million people get a pick line inserted every year. Mm. It's growing at greater than 5%. But in the grand scheme of things, there's over 7 billion people in the world. 
And so how can we impact those 7 million people, even when we're shooting to just help that first 6 million? And that was why we decided to partner with foundations. Um, in the early days, we worked with like the American Cancer Society, Stand Up to Cancer, and others. Today, we've evolved to be working with even more. Um, and now we even, last year, we were able to donate um, a lot of product to hospitals of need um, to be able to help patients that might not be able to afford our products and hospitals that couldn't afford our products. And to me, it's how do you get involved in the community? How do you make a difference? And I think, in my mind, I don't even know if 10% is the right number. could be higher. It could be lower. It's more how do you drive impact and how do you help those that need your help? And I think everyone on our team has a personal story for why they're there. Um, everyone is here for more than just trying to get a salary. Every single person on my team um, has a personal story for why they want to give back and why they want to be involved. And I know talking about giving back is, it's funny because we do, a, I do a really poor job about sharing it publicly, but internally I'd say giving back is kind of the key driver for almost everyone on our, like for every decision, for everyone on our team, et cetera. That's a great mission. You know, it's, and it's a great value that underscores what your culture is at the workplace. And I get the feeling, <laughs> the way you talk about it all, that your employees are treated really well and treat one another well, and that it's a really great culture. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I think I'm really blessed to have an amazing uh, team. Uh, we call it family. Um, and for better or worse, they get to they get to talk to my parents. They get to meet my sister. Um, so it is truly part of our family. Um, and I think it's it's really unique where you get to build a company where you have people wanting wanting to get to know you and wanting to get to know your parents, et cetera. Um, and it's it goes back to truly being focused on building a community that supports and inspires others. Um, what that's one of our key values as a company, and we're we're really focused on doing that and being able to make as big of an impact as possible. Mm. If there's any nurse managers, chief nursing officers, CEOs of healthcare organizations, any healthcare executives listening out there to this, please mark this conversation and what Chad is saying about creating a positive workplace culture and just take that in. I just want you to to think, huh, okay, maybe we could do that at our hospital, even in the smallest of ways. So just, just saying. And before we take a break, I wanted to ask you about your former career, you know, in investment banking. How do you feel like that has informed the way in which you approach being a business person and working in the healthcare space? Has it helped you? Has it hindered you? And is it is it a big piece of just the way in which you've maneuvered in this new space? Yeah, um, I. Um, it's funny, right? Because all I ever used to do as an investment banker is complain about being an investment banker. Um, uh -huh. But now I, uh, as every investment banker does, right? Yes. Like it's a core job requirement. Um, hmm. I think I'm really blessed to have had that opportunity. And I'd say that for a few reasons. One, um, 
we are serving a community that is never giving up. Whether you're a patient and you are fighting cancer or have a broken bone or tennis elbow or what have you, uh, you're someone that is not wanting to give up. You're doing whatever you can to get back to being who you are. Or if you're the clinician, we um, recently over the summer launched a clinical line of scrubs, bouffants, underscrubs. We just launched fleeces. Um, I saw that. And you're, um, you all are people that never give up. And you, even in the height of the pandemic, were going to work each and every day, doing whatever you could to help save lives. And from our standpoint, it's we have all of our customers or people that are inspiring and supporting us each and every day and doing whatever they can to battle and to win. And we have to do the same. And I think that what banking taught me is really not being willing to never give up and being willing to work nonstop to make that a reality. And don't get me wrong. I think my hours now are probably a lot better than when I was an investment banker. I hope but so. But I think it's, it's something that I'm really excited to do. And it's something that I'm really, our entire team is just feels like the opportunity to collaborate with amazing nurses like yourself to create better and better products and to be able to do whatever we can um, to support our community. And I think that side has helped. I think also just learning to being at a startup is a massive roller coaster. You're going up and down, up and down, up and down. You have 50,000 amazing things happen at the same time. You have 50,000 things terrible happen each and every day. Um, you have to be a little even keeled and investment banking really taught me how to be even keeled and how to, when things are great, that's great. When things are terrible, that's fine. Like um, kind of stay focused on what you want to do and what you want to build. And that's probably made me a better entrepreneur. Um, and then finally, I think is just the financial knowledge of understanding cash flow and being able to make sure that um, you're not spending before you get the money, um, et cetera, to be able to build uh, build a great business that can really give back, that can kind of keep go- keep building and keep growing in continuity. Yeah, th- those are good points for the nurse entrepreneurs out there, of which there are many. And those are good points mm-hmm. for nurses who've been working throughout the pandemic about the roller coaster. And I think they totally understand the roller coaster on a very intimate level. And chat, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about your products specifically. We've mentioned the pick line cover. You kind of alluded to shower covers, but we didn't really talk about it. And the chest port access and the NICU bodysuit. So I just want to talk about the products a little more. I want to talk about part partnerships you've created, which are really fascinating and intriguing. And then some of the other things you've learned along the way. So we'll be back with those questions and more and chat's answers in the second half of episode 353 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. 
please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 353, where you can learn all about Chat Rosdon and careandwear.com. And of course, we're here again with my new friend and friend of the pod, Chat Rosdon. And Chat, prior to the break, we were talking about some of the things you brought forward for being an investment banker and the roller coaster of a startup, which there's nurse, there are nurse entrepreneurs out there who understand what that means. And then there's the nurses who've been working during the pandemic on the front lines who know what a roller coaster is. And you've been through a lot and you've been giving back a lot, 10% of your profits, which is really wonderful. And first I want to talk about partnerships. And you mentioned at the top of the show that you partnered with several different hospital systems in terms of talking about these products that you wanted to create. So you got, did you get direct clinician input about what they would need and what they saw the need was in terms of these products you wanted to create in terms of like prototypes and whatnot? When you think about um, product development, Again, and we've, we've talked about how I am not a nurse. I am yes. not, also, I'm not a fashion designer, right? I'm a former banker and consultant. And so I wanted to make sure to get the right people in the room with me um, as we were developing the products. And that has since kind of evolved into our collaborative design approach, where we take a three-pronged approach to design and development. And so first and foremost, and hopefully all of your listeners will really appreciate this the most, is working with nurses and doctors. Mm -hmm. You all on the front lines know better than anyone else kind of what the needs are, right? And from my perspective, for a hospital or patient or a clinician to want our product over someone else's, ours has to be medically superior to everything else that's out there. And so by working with nurses and doctors, we're able to solve for, okay, what are the needs? When you were talking about patient gowns, the needs are obviously going to be access. It's going to be having a telemetry pocket, 
kind of where you have access, um, providing that dignity, making sure that it survives commercial laundry, et cetera. For the pick line covers, it was allowing for breathability and visibility to the pick line set, and that could go on and on. Mm-hmm. By doing that, we also have strategically been able to get proprietary IP on each and every one of our products. And that is super important too, especially as we start to compete with larger and larger companies of having something unique and proprietary to Karenware. The second grouping of people is going to be the end user. So making sure when I had the pick line covers, having pick line patients involved in the design and development of the covers, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that they actually want to wear the product. Um, and we recently, we were talking a little earlier about the scrubs that we launched in collaboration with the Notori company. We had nearly a hundred different um, types of clinicians. We had nurses, doctors, PTs, dentists, um, even housekeeping, like anyone that wears a scrub today, we wanted involved in the design and development to ensure that their um, needs and requirements were met. Because otherwise, what's the point of innovating and what's the point of creating a product if they don't have everything that they need? And then finally is bringing in a fashion and design background to incorporate the latest trends and technologies and designs. And we've been really lucky and fortunate to partner with brands like Oscar de la Renta and the Notori Company um, to foundations like we were talking about earlier, to hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. That's wonderful. And you also partnered with the Parsons School of Design in downtown New York. We did, yeah. We actually taught a class at Parsons with two amazing fashion designers um, focused on redesigning the patient count so that your backside was not exposed in the hospital. That's awesome. And your your Osco de la Renta um, products are really beautiful. I was looking at them on the website. And so all of these partnerships for those nurse entrepreneurs out there who want to develop products and bring products to market, chat's really talking about the the brass tacks of how to bring a product to market. You need the right people giving input. You need to create prototypes. You need to test the prototypes. So chat, those pieces are all super important. And there are a lot of nurse-led design companies out there creating medical products and there's room for more. And a lot of nurses have ideas because they're there all the time. And they're like, wow, I wish this existed. And they could actually say, huh, maybe we should actually create it or partner with somebody like you or another organization to create it. So you're you're kind of you're talking the talk and walking the walk about how you actually go about this particular process. And for for nurses out there who do want to bring a product to market and start a company, are there any other pieces you would add in here to this conversation if they're if they're seriously interested? You know, you've you've talked about the roller coaster. You've talked about design, and you've talked about understanding money and the financial part. Is there anything else that's really crucial? Yeah, I think is understanding your customer. What is going to cause them to what? What do they really need? What they really want? And what are they willing to pay for? So now we actually. Um, develop products with hospital systems and the hospital will actually buy the product up front uh, from us on a sketch. 
and it's not even a sketch actually it's not even a paper napkin it's you and i talking and you're saying hey i really want um a better set of scrubs and i would say great if you're willing to pay for this we will make it together um and that to me as the seller verifies that this is a true market because you want it so bad that you're willing to buy it before it even exists that's that's a pretty good sign that this is a product that needs to exist. That's pretty um, good. And that's, yeah, right. And that's from, that's kind of the hard lesson I had from when I launched the company and I talked to people, I surveyed over a thousand nurses about our products. Everyone loved the idea of a pick line cover. But then when I went to sell, it was, oh, this is great. Like maybe my patients will buy it. And I was like, wait, 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 you told me that you wanted to buy it. Um, ahead of time. And then it was, well, I'm not the right buyer, et cetera. And so by getting that buy-in, I can then go to other hospitals pretty quickly and say, hey, Massachusetts General Hospital has committed to buying this. Um, Do you want to buy it as well? And that's just so, so powerful and so um, helpful. And it's from their standpoint, it also helps them prioritize items and also lets the nurses, like when I started the company, nurses were working with me on calls at like midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. when they weren't on shift and um, they had some free time. That's not sustainable. The best hospitals today are um, allowing their teams a few hours off to do things like creating products together, etc. And so by bringing the hospital to be involved in the design process, we're enabling the nurses to get involved from the get-go without having to do it in their spare time. And you nurses are amazing in that you don't ever think about yourself. You don't ever think about free time. I think most nurses like to joke, like, what is free time? We don't Mm -hmm. know what that is. Um, But to the extent that I can help you do this in in your actual time and still have some time for friends, family, what have you, otherwise, I want to do that. And so this has been a happy medium to be able to empower nurses to get involved in design and develop great products, but also not take away their limited free time that they have uh, already. That's wonderful. That's, that's all more adding to your mission and what you're, what you're after in terms of this company's really reason for being in existence. And we've talked about the scrubs. I've looked at the scrubs online. We've talked about the mm-hmm. pick line covers, chest port access. You have these shirts where they just kind of zipper down and you can have easy access to the chest port. You have the NICU bodysuit, which we talked about. You also have various types of arm access. There's a really beautiful blouse um, demonstrated on your website in a video, actually, where you zip the, um, the outside of the sleeve and that opens mm-hmm. the arm access, but it's a beautiful garment that someone can feel good about wearing. And then you have um, you have shower covers, which look like they're they're quite advanced in terms of their ability to keep an arm, for instance, dry during a shower. So, has that been a successful product that to bring to market? Yeah, it's interesting. The shower cover is an item that people have been asking us to create for years. Um, and we, you know, we, as you mentioned, our brand is all about beauty and comfort and creating products that 
make you feel, again, make you feel like a human, make you feel good about yourself. And I always was really focused on creating shower covers, but I wanted it to be like something really cool looking, something that people could really like. And then I think a number of patients and nurses started telling me nicely, I was going to say yelling at me, but they were saying it very nicely that, hey, anything that you create is going to look better than the saran wrap or the trash bag that we're putting around our arms right now. Mm -hmm. And I think having that perspective is really important when designing products is not just thinking about what's the end all be all goal of where we want to be, but also what is what are they using right now and how can you improve that? And I think that with our shower covers, we've been able to take the lessons from our pick line cover development and all, all the experience we've had over the last several years in helping pick line patients to really think about what do you want to protect? How do you protect it? And be thoughtful about that while leveraging our understanding on size and fit um, to try and make something super comfortable. And mm. It's been a really, really popular item. It's a great add-on for people that are buying our pick covers. Um, and then because of the amazing feedback on them, we've now created full arm access uh, shower covers and just bigger shower covers that can serve more than just a pick line patient. Right. And if you have a shower cover that covers the whole body, then we're kind of defeating the whole purpose. So um, yeah, exactly. you got to go part by part. And then the other product I saw, the last product on your site is a post-surgical bra, which we also know is can be a big issue for women who've undergone breast reconstruction, et cetera. And having that post-surgical bra that, that really provides dignity and also provides a sense of um, what I don't know what it would be called, wholeness or just in terms of feeling feeling normal and feeling okay mm-hmm. in one's body and one's clothing going to work or going out. Um, that's another piece that you've created that seems like an important service to women who, who really need that. Yeah, the big thing for us there was creating a bra that served all the medical and clinical needs, but also didn't look like a, sur- a medical or surgical bra. Yes. We really wanted women to feel like they were wearing just a quote-unquote normal bra, right? And so it looks like an athleisure type of bra. It's um, super comfortable, but then having things like small items like Velcro rather than a hook so that if the doctor's checking on the patient and or the nurse checking on the patient and you're sleeping, then they don't have to wake you up because they can just open the Velcro to check on the swelling, et cetera. Having access for JP drains, um, having um, a really comfortable, meshy sort of fabric so that you can feel comfortable, it's breathable, allowing breathability. Then even something as small as making it so that where it goes around underneath your armpit is actually lower than a normal bra so that if you had a lymph node removed, it's not going to irritate the incision point. Oh, excellent point. Right. And so really trying to think through all these sorts of things. And I think this is where that three-pronged approach was so important to hear that feedback of things like, like I would have never thought of, oh, we want the, the point where it wraps around to be lower so that it's not impacting the incision 
But by working with the nurses, doctors, and patients, we were able to get that really important feedback. Wow, that's really wonderful. And as we start to wind down here, I want to ask you a couple of mm-hmm. questions. So one is, what surprising things have you learned along the way about the American healthcare industry in the 21st century? What are a couple of things that stand out to you? There's probably a whole list. Yeah, it's a never-ending list. I'd say first and foremost is, I think everyone complains about how long it takes for a hospital to switch a product. And mm-hmm. I think you need to remember the potential impact of your product in a hospital. So when you think about changing your email service from, let's say, Microsoft Outlook to Gmail, in the grand scheme of things, the worst thing that can happen is like a formatting change or something like that. If you're changing a product in a hospital, you could potentially lead to complications. It could potentially lead to death, um, especially if you're going inside the body. And so I think that's been one thing that I don't think I gave hospitals enough credit to before I started Karenware was why it takes so long for a hospital to make that change. Hmm. Um, I think the second point I've learned is to the delay aspect is also the scale, right? So there's one hospital that we work with that wouldn't work for us for the first three years, not because they didn't love our products. Their comment was, we want to make sure that you can scale with us. And if we place an order tomorrow, we're not going to bankrupt you because you don't know what you're doing. And so it's thinking about the magnitude of a change or an impact of what you're doing. Um, And then I think the third thing is just how much everyone cares. And I kind of knew this, to be honest, uh, because my mom's a doctor. She would always go early. She would always stay late. Everyone she worked with was always there. We used to joke that anesthesiologists must have some gas leaking because they were always sleeping when they were home because they were overworked. But um, I think what I've learned is just how much people care. And you couldn't see it even better than during the whole COVID pandemic. I know here in New York, we used to cheer everyone at 7 p.m. by clapping our hands for every nurse uh, leaving their shift. It's something that I kind of wish we still did each and every day. And it's having that appreciation for everyone that is sacrificing themselves and um, really giving everything to help patients and our loved ones. And I think it's, um, I always knew about it, but just seeing it firsthand has been even more rewarding. As I think I mentioned at the beginning, like when I was building my pick covers, our the nurses that were helping me were doing it in their quote-unquote free time, which meant they were talking to me at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 5 a.m. And it's it's that desire to innovate and that desire to bring about change, which has really enabled us um, to be successful and to make a difference in the world. That's wonderful. Beautiful. I, I love how you characterized all of that. And finally, my last question is, what have you learned about yourself in this journey from investment banker to social entrepreneur and and product developer and now in in essence fashion designer in a way um, though you're working with other fashion designers you know what what's come up for you around this whole journey and and how have you changed and how do you view yourself in the scheme of things 
Yeah, um, I've learned a lot, continually learning. I'm a uh, first-time CEO, so I feel like I learn something new each and every day um, and try and apply it um, to the business. But I'd say um, some of the important things are really trying to focus on the bigger picture. When you're an analyst at work, you're really laser-focused on getting your work done and getting it to the team and being able to help the team. I think when you're running the company and building the startup yourself, um, in the early days, you're definitely very laser focused trying to do things, but you also have to think about what's five years ahead, what's 10 years ahead. And now as we've started to build a team, I have the, um, the pleasure of getting to hire people that are much better at doing certain things than I ever was and allowing them to blossom and then to grow. And I think that that's, Look, I'm very impatient. I'm very, uh, the banker and consultant in me always wants to just do it and get it and finish something. And I've learned to let your team do it because they're going to do a better job than you and they're going to think of things um, that you might not have thought of. I think the second thing is learning to really how to prioritize. So there's you know, when you're building a startup, there's about 5 billion things that you want to do each and every day. And so it's learning how do you prioritize that? What absolutely needs to get done? What is good to have done? What is nice to have done? And what is like, hey, if you're really bored and nothing to do and um, there's nothing good on TV, then what should, what could you get done? Um, and it's really learning how to bucket those appropriately and how to prioritize. Um, and then I think the last thing is just being flexible because again, on that roller coaster of a startup, there's going to be 5 billion things that go right. There's going to be 5 billion that go wrong each and every day. Oftentimes it's going to be, it's going to go right one day, wrong the next day, right again, wrong, 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 right, 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 blah, blah, blah. And it's being flexible and just understanding what the needs are and being okay with that. Um, and I think that that is, uh, those are just some of the things I, I could literally go on for another five I'm hours sure, yeah. on some of the things I've learned. Yeah. Wow. What a journey. And, you know, you've created a great company with a great mission, amazing products, great partnerships, and um, wonderful ways of giving back to the community. And so thank you for all the ways in which you've given back. And people can find you on, at careandwear.com. And we'll have that in the show notes. And we'll also have your links to your Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of those sorts of things. So Chat Rosdon, thank you so much. I'm so glad I found you through Awarepreneurs and Paul Zelizer. And this has been really, really wonderful. And I look forward to you know keeping my finger on the pulse of what you all are doing at Karenware. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. I'm a huge fan of palindromes as well, actually. So I was really excited to hear that word 353. Um, you have an amazing podcast and really privileged to have the opportunity to share our story with you. Thanks. And thanks for being here for the palindrome 353. <laughs> well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, go to nursekeith.com forward slash episode 353 to learn all about Chat Rosdon and karenware.com. There'll be lots of links there please check out his products. And if your hospital is interested or your organization is interested, please get in touch with chat because you can have a chat. 
and see what you might be able to do to bring these products to bear for your patients and clinicians. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, look no further than nursekeith.com mention chat, and you can get 15% off your first coaching package. And if you could become a patron of the podcast at Patreon, that would be great. $2 a month would be awesome. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. And if you want to leave a rating review at, at Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app, that is also much, much appreciated. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico and new friend of the pod and my new friend, Chad Rosdon saying Arrivederci from New York, New York. New York, New York, birthplace of both of my parents. Thank you so much, chat. Thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.